This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hey guys, it's Tuesday. We are coming in hot. We've been talking for hours. We've been laughing about cars. We're excited to talk to you guys. As always, we have a cool topic Tuesday. We have a great car debate. And also, I don't know if you saw it, but <clears throat> we uh, we drove the uh, the BMW XM. The XM. As a matter of fact, our XM. friends at Auto Tempest have displayed that on their Instagram. And also, if you're shopping for XMs, mm-hmm. you can use autotempest.com slash everyday. You can search for BMWs that aren't ugly on autotempest.com. I really think you should just use that search term, attractive BMWs on Autotempest, because you're bound to come up with stuff other than the XM. Something will populate. Something will pop like, up. There's some good stuff out there. Beautiful cars. Yeah. So that review is now available on our Test Drive channel, and we found it very entertaining. As a matter of fact, it's one of our longer test drives that mm-hmm. we've done in a in quite a long time. Yep. It's almost 30 minutes. It's long. It's a while because well, we had we, stuff to say. We man. also did it limo style, which you don't always do, but but that has the the <laughs> M lounge M lounge back. style. So well, there was yeah. the driving discussion, which was interesting, and then there was also the M lounge discussion and the disco lighting and a bunch of stuff. So if you haven't seen that yet, that's on our test drive channel. You may have already seen our G ninety versus Lexus LS. Also lounge playing. style. But oh, also lounge. There, there's is that the G lounge some, back there. The, easy there. There's some limo stuff going on there as well. We have more stuff coming to our original channel soon. Plus we have every week a test drive drops on Sundays and often we have POVs as well. Lots more stuff coming on all of the above. Anthony Z writes to us our topic Tuesday. He's saying in a society where we want our minds to be completely engaged all the time, do we? Well, I but guess it we seems do. like it. Yeah, this is the this is the curse and blessing of our phones right there. Yeah. yeah, the internet. How have we reached a place, he writes, where most cars are so completely devoid of interaction? He says you'd think that society would want something to be engaged with, something that heightens the senses, but instead all these SUVs are numb, Mm -hmm. comfortably Mm -hmm. numb. They are, yes. They don't even have any sense of speed. Yes, true. I thought this was so appropriate, Anthony, because we just released the XM video. I thought Mm -hmm. this really tied in well because of our findings, our discoveries with the XM. We thought, how is this brick so fast. Well, and, and, and I tell the story in the piece, uh, spoiler alert, I tell the story in the piece where I was driving with my wife and just driving. I mean, we were, we're headed down on a freeway, we're headed somewhere, and I looked at her and I said, uh, honey, how, how fast do you think we're going? She was like, I don't know, low 70s. It was 91. And she had Same. no awareness. She had no awareness. And that's just because that's what a lot of these cars do. Anthony says, despite mostly being actually very quick, you don't feel it. You just feel numbness. Mm -hmm. So while we enthusiasts are out there actively looking for engaging drives, how have we reached a point at the the society who wants to be constantly engaged in every other way Mm. has now fallen into the trap of craving numbness? It's because of that phone, like you said. Mm. I see it still all the time. It drives me up a wall. Still trying to pay attention to your phone because... SUVs have become so numb and and I partially this this is me saying this I partially blame it on speed limits if our speed limits were higher you'd pay attention more I think <laughs> but it's all the other stuff that you're trying to do in the car besides drive Anthony I think I think part of the the original curse of this is stop and go traffic the average person in the average big city I'm not talking car people now 
I mean, thank you for listening. We're glad that we're all a community here of car people. If you aren't involved already, you can be a patron and get you on our Discord. Talk about car people. That's where they are, okay? (laughs) So we're all one big happy family of car-interested people, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or if you're listening to this because someone in your life is car-interested, so you're car-adjacent, Okay? okay, that's as far as I'm going. But but the okay. point is here, everybody listening to this podcast has an interest in cars and an interest in cars being somewhat engaging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not the average person, okay? That's why we're not the largest podcast in the world, okay? Because that audience isn't that big, okay? Sure. But my point is, tons of people use cars that aren't interested in cars. They need a car. And the problem is, if you're in a big city, LA, Boston, San Francisco, New York, whatever, you're going to wind up in a stop and go scenario. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you are us, supercar freaks, whatever. Stop and go commuting is a combination of boring and frustrating. There's other things in there too, but th- those are the top two. That's I'd probably yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the kindest headlines I can give it. That's okay? Gentle. So yeah. when we're bored, here's, here's where the cell phone comes in. When we're bored, what do we want to do? We want to look at our phone because I'm currently bored. I want to occupy my time. I remember, mm-hmm. I had this thought recently. I was waiting in line recently. And I pulled out my phone, like you do. And then I had this thought. We used to wait in lines without anything to do. Even if you didn't talk to anybody else, you just you just stood there. You just stood there. That, yeah. That's the thing that shocked me about it. It's like there was literally a time in life when we would be in line and just you, you didn't know the people around. You just stood there. I'm having thoughts. This is a weird thing. You just, you just stood with thoughts. quietly and yeah. watched the world go by. And we don't do that anymore. You don't... One of my favorite things is to sit in an airport and people watch and make up their stories. We don't even do that anymore. And that's super fun. That's super that fun, by super the way. That is super fun. Okay? Because if you get bored for 10 seconds, and I am, I am pointing all my fingers at me. If you get bored for 10 seconds, you pull out your phone. Well, yeah. now we're bored in a car. So you want to look at your phone. So what really has happened here is that boredom of the way most people use cars, which is not on a back road, it's not driving fast, it's nothing that's interesting that makes you want to enjoy it more, makes you want to look at your phone. So wouldn't it be nice if, watch what's happened in car culture, the car drove itself mm-hmm. through stop and go, and it didn't bother me. I'm comfortable, I'm the right temperature, I'm being massaged, I don't have to hear the truck beside me. <laughs> Where do we end up? We end up in silver bubbles that are supposedly going to drive themselves so we can look at our phone. If we weren't bored in traffic, I think that is the impetus for this. That's a huge part of it. And Anthony, I want to touch on manufacturing too, because since the dawn of time, well, since Henry Ford really started with his manufacturing expertise mm. and syndicated the ability to make things very quickly, the same thing over and over, mm-hmm. Everybody's been looking for a faster, cleaner, better, cheaper way to do that one thing, to mm-hmm. make that product. And so that continues. And so now the only people that are screaming for manual transmissions and hydraulic steering racks, well, that's how we used to build cars, but that's not <laughs> how we build cars anymore. You know, we don't do horses anymore, right? <laughs> Those are the the old ways. Those cost mm-hmm. too much. The efficiency, that that doesn't really jive with our P&L sheets because it's cheaper <laughs> to buy the electric rack off the shelf and it's delivered all in one unit and it's mm, part of the subframe mm. and Teslas are about seven giant parts or, or mm. seven different stations, yeah, 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 essentially. Here's that saying. part yeah. that is all assembled and most of that came from the supplier and we just kind of put that together and jam that up underneath the car and then this part. And mm-hmm. so we're reducing costs to make more money, mm-hmm. but to make that thing more quickly and more sure, efficient, sure, yeah. efficiently. So that has so taken precedence over the enthusiast who wants handcrafted sheet metal 
The guy and with the English wheel making a fender yes. that kind of looks like the last one he made, but not entirely. I want a person to bolt the linkages, the steering linkage mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. for me and really fine to That takes too long. <laughs> that just takes too long. Nobody's doing that anymore. I don't want to pay that person. Because we don't that, do that. It's too expensive and it takes too long. Mm-hmm. So how about this entire unit that just went in the car and we mm. bolted it down and it's all replicated and everything is very consistent. And theoretically, that should raise reliability. Yes. But it doesn't always. Mm, fair point. Fair point. But at that point, if theoretically, it should be super reliable now. Mm-hmm. And they should all be exactly alike. Well, even cars that are the same kind of drive differently still. Fair point, yeah. Weirdly. Mm-hmm. But manufacturing has made it so. Mm. This just, we kind of accept because manufacturing has dictated this is the new part and it's an electric or electronic mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. to do the same thing that linkages and cables and clutches and motors and all these things that used to do that. Well, we found better efficient ways to do it. We've engineered the fun out of it. That's a good point. Engineered into it. Oh man, is that efficient? Boy, are we saving costs. Yeah, sure. Boy, have we gotten rid of a lot of people. We've gotten a a lot of jobs Mm -hmm. to be able to to do this, to make this thing. But we've lost something, as you've identified. We've lost that soul, that thing, that mechanical interaction that car journalists and all of us enthusiasts listening, we really love. And it's this small band of like torches and pitchforks over here, like put Mm -hmm. the clutches back in the cars. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to And they're going to just, they're going to bomb us with a drone from space. That's pretty much, that's that's the war we're talking about (laughs) right there. Yeah. Who's that little band of (laughs) group out there? Like, what are they, what are they asking? Well, this is, this is the car equivalent of, and, and, and look, I will admit I'm not enough of an audiophile to speak to this in a lot of, with a lot of intelligence, but this is the, the car equivalent of vinyl versus I would like the digitally remastered super Dolby Atmos mm. version off of iTunes, which let's be honest, is more pristine and we can send that out to everybody on the planet could decide they want to buy that right now and they could have it downloaded to their phone. Mm. But if you have the vinyl, there's there's something that draws you in to the vinyl. There's to, a warms to out. Put, to put the record on the actual turntable and actually like like do the thing and turn the put dial the for the volume. The Seriously, the I'm, here, the I'm hearing it too, man. <laughs> but there there is something that draws us to that. And if you're an audiophile, there isn't anything that takes place to that. Now, I'm not enough. Look, I'll admit it. All my music's digital. I admit it. But... I understand the draw of why people have the really expensive record player and the collection of vinyl. And what I find fascinating is you can get vinyl for the record that came out last week. The album that came out last yeah, week is yeah. currently available on vinyl. Now, that is the equivalent of, I would like a rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, hydraulic steering, car please. And most of the world's like, why do you want that? Because for whatever reason, they never connected to vinyl. If you follow what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, in the filmmaking business, why are there filters to put scratches and film clip kind of scratches over the top of perfectly pure, crystal clear digital Mm -hmm. footage that doesn't need that? True. I'm adding the old ways, the old school way of doing Mm -hmm. that back into the film to make it have a certain feel. Absolutely. And this is the reason that somebody like Christopher Nolan keeps shooting on film because he understands that film by its nature has a different texture, a different feel to it. Now, is that necessary? No. It's more expensive (laughs) and a lot more difficult. Right. What are we doing? Exactly Okay, but this is back to the car point. And and one of the things that's always made me laugh is anytime you see, you always rage about this. I'm I'm, I'm Uh playing Uh into into that about you. But 
anytime we see stitching on oh. a plastic part, oh. plastic oh. stitching, oh. stitching that's in the mold. Okay, and here's but here's the thing I want to explain to all of, all of us listening. If you ever see stitching in a plastic part in a car, I guarantee you that stitching is perfect. It's perfectly spaced. It's in a perfect line. It's perfect. Now, climbing a car, Rolls Royce is an example. Bentley is another one, where a human did the stitching, and guess what? It's no longer perfect. It takes time. It costs money. It isn't as perfect as your plastic stitching in the mold, but there's something engaging about it. The software that I used to sell yes. and, and mm-hmm. use, mm-hmm. the programmers actually programmed in jitter and random noise into the ability to, to add stitching to mm. instrument panels or seats or sure, whatever sure. you're adding stitching to. You could choose how many lines of stitching you want, what the stitching looks like. Is it a <laughs> butterfly stitch? Do you want a triple or double line? And then you could add jitter. So it actually, the, uh, in stitching that would eventually be molded into the instrument panel, it appears slightly random. So it looks hand-stitched. So now we're applying the digital new efficient oh. thing to replicate the old school technique because that's still the one we want filmmaking manual transmissions and hydraulic steering yeah. in in anything that we're mm-hmm. doing it's almost like the old ways were the best ways well but not always uh, though not always and here's the thing i, I want to under want to clarify here in all of these discussions what we're talking about is you have to be a person who wants the thing that might be a little bit harder but you find that rewarding and now it costs more okay but but but, it's triple the price but you find you can buy it you find the harder version more rewarding you enjoy the conquest of whatever we're talking about i appreciate the fact i'm getting vinyl off the shelf and putting on a record player versus hitting play pause on my phone Okay, I appreciate yes. the fact that this stitching isn't perfect, but you know what? I just, every now and then I just like to run my finger across it, or this this steering because it's hydraulic. This is the other thing going on with electric power steering. This is hydraulic. This car has no lane keep assist, so if I wind up in my manual transmission hydraulic car and stop and go, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to hate it more than every other person in traffic. I'm going to despise it at a level none of them can understand. But I appreciate the fact that when the road is right, I can engage with that. And I think the average person commuting never has a reason to enjoy a car otherwise, so they have no reason to engage. It's one of the reasons we say on this podcast all the time, we think everybody's one good car away from liking cars, Mm -hmm. but it's the other reason we do things like our pilgrimage trip or our Utah meetup or our Colorado meetup. I love when you guys join us on these trips, and there's invariably there's people every single time that are walking around a little bit (laughs) starry-eyed. Yeah, yeah. Roads like this exist. You can drive. You can drive cars like this on roads like this and see scenery like that yeah. and, and you and i are are candidly spoiled we went from southern california where we started the show to this area of utah where the roads are great we also try to specifically shoot in other great places in colorado and pacific northwest we always try to pick a great road we're countering these roads all the time what i love is to watch all of you who are basically commuter drones not because it's what you want to do it's just that's how life works and you wind yeah. up on a great road and you go I thought I liked driving before, but now, oh my gosh, I wish everybody had that experience. We wouldn't want to reach for our phone and our silver SUV that's driving itself. <laughs> no, but we do. It's proliferated when it's necessary. 
Sure. For all those traffic and commute situations, well, I don't need a car that handles really great. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. It needs to get great gas mileage or it yes. needs to be an EV and yes. it needs to entertain me and the seats need to be great. By the way, every commuter car, every cheap, in, you know, inexpensive, mm-hmm. we'll mm-hmm. say, yeah, commuter yeah. car, the seats should be amazing. The they best should be thing ever. Yes. The seats out of the $100,000, whatever. Uh-huh. Those those are the seats you put in. Don't put the cheap seats in because you're sitting there for so long. Yes. Why human factors and ergonomics. Why are car companies <laughs> not putting the good seats, the expensive seats with all the goodies, the heat and the cooling and the massage and you're all totally the stuff right. yes. in the commuter cars? Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, Some yeah. of them have, but then the pushes the price up. So those are the things that matter. Not the, I don't care how the door slams in my commuter car. I don't. Wait, this is Paul saying that. Well, by the way. I mean, Paul, I do. I do. Paul still kind of does, but, but you're making a good point. Now, this is the thing. Once, once we get to commuting is all that matters. I mean, look, here, here's the cold, hard reality of it. We're all buying our own personal bus. That's what we're doing. Look at the look at the movie Minority Report, where a everybody's bus? commuting. As big as a bus. But I'm saying I'm not saying because it needs to be that big. But I'm just saying, what is a bus? A bus is just a form of transit. You don't care yeah, how it yeah. drives. You don't care necessarily even how comfortable you are. You want to sit somewhere and look at your phone and look up and be like, oh, we're here. Buses I mean, for everyone. I, I mean, hmm. I, I wish I wish we'd solved the public transit situation better in this country worldwide in general, but in this country especially. Because then we would have a better infrastructure for those of us who like driving. But so many of these cities, LA being one of the worst, you have to have a car to get anywhere. Yeah, there's public transit, but you don't really want to have to take it because no, the efficiency of no. doing it is just not there. I'm just seeing the matrix where you, you're you're unplugged and suddenly you've discovered that driving is fun and you don't have to be in this commuter drone thing. <laughs> yep. Wow, driving is fun. So I maintain, Anthony, that... Car companies would do well to build the variety and not just put all their energy into the mindless drone SUV thingy. And there will always be a market for that. Build. There will always be a market for the people who have exited the matrix. Yes, that want to enjoy themselves. Yes. And <laughs> people that are going to have a horse and a car in their yes, barn and the, they're both the fun. The car that yes. is a simple, beautiful, fun driving machine mm-hmm. It doesn't make as much money as the silver pods. It won't. It won't. Yeah. But there's still a market there. And I still believe people will wake up and smell the coffee. And speaking of coffee, I do have an automatic push button espresso machine. And (laughs) it takes much less time than pour over. I hear pour over is just delicious and it brings out the flavors. And in the morning, I'm kind of not awake. Well, I'm, I'm very much not awake. And you're very much hard. Ah! Yeah, you are very just, much not. I just need to push a button and it still pulls a great shot. So that's kind of the <laughs> silver espresso or sorry, silver I car I, I pot of espresso it. machines. It's but really good. It does a great job at pulling the shots and I need the coffee right now because I, I don't want to wait. I need the coffee to go in me. I, I Hey, as much as I'm talking about vinyl, I appreciate the fact that I can pull up my phone and every song I've ever thought I kind of liked, I can go like, play. I appreciate that. <laughs> there, that is kind of nice. I do appreciate it, but there is something about vinyl. So it, it's where are you on this? What I like about really good Topic Tuesdays, like this one from Anthony, is we're not going to solve this, <laughs> but it's sure fun to talk about. I just... Car companies, can you build the the fun thing? We know you're going to accomplish the yeah. the pod thing. The pods the, are coming. The people yes. movers mm-hmm. and the we know you're going to do that. I'm sure that's part of your business plan. Just don't forget about the cool, fun, interesting sports cars that still will sell. And gosh, maybe maybe you'd find like a little piece of that could go in the SUV. Mm. Maybe I just whoa, just saying. 
we want to remind you that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is better brakes. An upgraded brake system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. Track, trail, or traffic, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter what your vehicle is or your driving style, PowerStop has a complete brake upgrade kit for you. Head to PowerStop.com. Fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder, and you'll be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, truly noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. We have both experienced firsthand the upgrade quality on our own vehicles. I've got the Z36 truck and tow pads and rotors on my Ford Expedition, and it brakes more powerfully than it ever has. Join the thousands of drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today. Power Stop. Brake upgrades made easy. We got a very nice email from Anna in Chicago who wrote to us recently, and she's been listening to the podcast for about a year now. Anna, thank you so much for writing. Mm-hmm. Your email was long, but I think it's, I... It's one of my favorites in a while, though. It's It's really it's good. way up there. I mean, because here's, here's the thing. Anna starts off by talking about the fact that she kind of backed her way into the... I'd, I'd love to know what the reason was you found the podcast. Yeah, Because no you don't kidding. go into that. Yeah. But, but you said you didn't really ever know much about cars, but you started listening to this podcast, and it's just gotten under your skin. Mm-hmm. And the more you've listened, the more you've kind of been like, okay, I start to get it. And you and you started to like it. And you started listening to it with your fiance, Taylor. And the two of you are loving this podcast as well, which is amazing. Anna says, I think I'm the MOF in the situation <laughs> because I'm 5'5 five, five and she is over, she's six feet tall. So we do have, we do have the, the standard situation of, okay, we're, we're very different people with very different car likes. But what I like is Anna's listening as not really a car person. And I'm going to describe her as car adjacent. Okay. That There you go. I'm going there. Well, after Anna's mom passed on Christmas last year, we're sorry for your loss, Anna, she inherited a 2018 RAV4 with adventure trim. Mm-hmm. I like the details here. Yeah. That's that, very good. This is what I like about the fact that you can tell that well, Anna's becoming good. a car person. Yeah, That's what's she so is. great. She's like, well, okay, it's, the, it's just not just a RAV4. It's got the adventure <laughs> trim. I mean, you're yeah. noting details. It's, it's great stuff. 45,000 miles on it. The last 15,000 have been put on by her running back and forth to Iowa to settle affairs, mm. keep track of the house. Wow. It's been more enough, more than enough time to reach the conclusion that she definitely hates it. <laughs> that took a turn mid-sentence. Okay. She's like, so I've been driving this thing a lot. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and I hate it. Yeah, I really hate it. Yeah. My favorite sentence is, I don't have the vocabulary for it, but I don't like the handling. Which I think you did fine on your vocabulary. You did great. She, you said, you don't tow anything. You don't like crossovers in general. It's heavy. It's boring. The gas mileage isn't great. And you don't like the handling. I think you have nailed that review. Wow. Well done. It carries a lot of emotional baggage, she writes. Mm, mm. Since her mom bought the car in anticipation of her retirement, where she was going to travel the country with her dog in her car and a teardrop camper. It was the perfect car. And Sounds like it. It was great for her. Great for yeah. your mom. Yeah. She was only retired a little over a year and her dream was held off by supply chain issues and COVID. And she never got to live out her retirement dream as cancer began to overtake her oh. body uh, in 2022. And Anna says, do I need to say more to convince you that she hates this car? Probably not. Anna, I am, I'm so sorry to hear this story. And I yeah. see the progression here. You had to take care of your mom's affairs. We're so sorry for your loss. This is really, really tough. But that means we now have this 2018 Toyota RAV4 that is exactly wrong for her. <laughs> no kidding. Well, before that, she drove a 2012 Camry XLE, rolled over 206,000 miles. They run mm. in spite of you. I mean, I think if you yeah. just refuse to change the oil, they'd be like, ha I'm going to continue to run. Oil? What's that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
She sold that the weekend that she writes to us and very recently, but before her mom passed, she was already looking to replacing that car. So she was a little bit more familiar with the options that she had in the budget she was working with at the time. She was looking at cars between 12 and $15,000, eyeing things like used Veloster or a high mileage Volvo C30. You don't hear about those very much, but they are yeah, you very don't. cool. They are still cool. Yeah. But now the playing field is completely different. The RAV4 is the first vehicle she's had with a five-figure trade-in value. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> I can so relate. I love it. And okay. the first vehicle and is owned with under 50,000 miles, which opens up her options to a whole new tier of vehicles mm-hmm. she's less familiar with but interested in, Okay, like a used BMW or a Mercedes that wasn't so used that it's just a funnel for money. That happens. I like yeah. that. She's in uncharted territory, so she's looking for our help. Her budget is thirty dollars to $35,000. Here's her needs. It needs to drive two people to work and back, about okay. 32 miles round trip, Monday to Friday, on highways and side streets, depending on the traffic. Okay. There needs to be enough space in the trunk or back seat to hold a reasonable amount of camping gear, approximately 75% or so of the space in the Camry's trunk. That's, that's actually a usable but not ridiculous amount of space needed. Yeah. Automatic transmission, neither Anna or Taylor drives stick. She would love to learn, but she's not going to throw herself into the deep end here. <laughs> I bought a new car. It's a car I've never had before. You know what else? I don't know how to drive it. It's going to be great. <laughs> always yeah. try a new technique on your final art project. <laughs> I always say that. It needs to handle reasonably in the snow. And she says the Camry did fine there. It only ever got stuck once. Tires. Can, tires. I, can I have a brief yes. rant on tires? Yes. Uh, Anna, Anna, what you need here is, is proper tires for that car. Whatever <laughs> car you end up with. Now, I'm also going to recommend this. All seasons are great until there's snow on the ground. And then all seasons are not great anymore. Right up until they're all, not. All weathers are actually better because they have the triple peak, peak snowflake thing on them, which means they actually are also good for snow. You and I ran all weathers on our cars of the past. Mm-hmm. It dawns on me. I have had that 300ZX, which is actually going away this Friday. I've had that for Amazing. over two years now and 90% of that time it's been on all weather tires and I have not had any complaints. And it's still high performance. Yes, I have still had it in, in summertime. Summer. Yeah. We I don't recommend this by the way. We had it on the Circuit of the Americas Austin Coda F1 track. I was on all weathers. Maybe an improvement could have been made there. Completely the you know. wrong tires for that scenario. Yeah. But that same car on same tires has also done blizzardy snowstorms. So, Anna, the key here for you in snow, if you're worried about it, is going to be tires. Anna needs something she can park on the street in Chicago. That means no electric cars. Interesting. Okay. They live in the car theft capital of the city, apparently, so no Hondas also. That's the... that I, I hadn't heard that before. Like I hadn't the, either. The, the main cars stolen in Chicago are Hondas. I, okay. Are you educating us? It's good. In other words, nothing that feels too precious. Okay. Need the backup camera for said street parking. Good news. Backup cameras are now a federal law. They are standard. Uh, yeah. So you, you can be assured that any new car that you buy will have a backup camera. No Corvettes. <laughs> I like it. It's just by itself. Just Wait, sitting there. No Corvettes. We have a Corvette. Moving on. Okay. Got it. All right. Not deal breakers, but strong preferences for two to three doors. Anna's always wanted a two-door car, and there's never been a better time in her life for one. Okay. Three doors and hatchbacks also count. Okay. I like it. She does not use the back seat unless her arm is twisted into transporting people for work or her friends are bugging her for a ride somewhere. <laughs> But what I like about that is she's like, so what about if I got something where the backseat is someplace people don't want to be? So I don't have to drive them anymore. I love that thinking as well. It's great. It is in her interest to buy a car where that space is too compromised to be anyone's first choice. That's a great way to put it. I love it, Anna. Something comfortable, smooth ride, attention to interior details and luxury trim features and doesn't feel cheap, but also a little bit quirky, a little bit fun. 
Smaller is better, something with precise steering and a tight turning radius. Reliability and longevity is also important. Mm. And then she goes to miles per gallon, 30 miles per gallon on the highway. Is that too much to ask? That's becoming more possible. That's the reality of it. Yeah, onward. She's got a lot of nice-to-haves, but not necessary. Heated seats, sunroof, smart cruise control, you know, that kind of thing. Premium audio. And she's had a very mixed history of cars. I love that you mm-hmm. included your car history. It's great. It's and great stuff, but it's mileage. All old stuff. Though. See that detail again? The yep. mileage coming in here because it's the mileage that really tells the story. We're like, oh, you had a 94 Mercury Sable with 98,000 miles, which for ah. a Mercury Sable is like, ooh, time to get rid of that. <laughs> That's still running? Interesting. Well, then there's the 1998 Ford Taurus with uh, over 125,000 miles on it. That was base, no CD they player, can go that nothing. High? They can go that high. I didn't the, know that. The 2000, she's not even sure, Lincoln Town Car with over 120,000 miles on that. She didn't own it, but it was the extra car her mom bought, and she was like, that was terrible. The 2004 Ford Escape Limited with over 150,000 miles. Wow. That is something that she was actually given by her mom. And uh, yeah, it, she hated this car for the whole two years that she owned it. I'm <laughs> noting a pattern. Oh, I had okay. a few Fords in here. Ford Fusion SE and then that aforementioned Toyota Camry XLE V6, 109,000 miles. But Anna, Anna loved that Camry. It's the first car she purchased from a dealership, the first car she had a loan on. Mm-hmm. She dreamt it the whole time she's living in Chicago, which has taken quite a beating. And, you know, she says, she jokes that there's always little gremlins with baseball bats that roam the streets of Chicago (laughs) just to bash your car. Just just to screw up your cars. Yeah. uh She also has a 2020 Dodge Caravan. I think this is a side note with a Braunability wheelchair conversion Mm. for her work that has turned her off of Dodge. I will raise my hand. I'm right there with you. And my dad's vehicle is a Chrysler Pacifica with the Kersey mobility conversion that I really can't stand. And I don't think they're. They've done a very good job, but, uh, you know. Well, apparently, Anna agrees with you that these conversion vans are completely atrocious. Ugh. So there's, you know, it's a small pool, but and it's anecdotal, Ugh. but the two of you are in full agreement. Right yeah. when you need it to work is when it doesn't work. The rest of the time, it works great. <laughs> Essentially, what's happened in all of these cases is they took a perfectly normal car and they chopped it in half. And started there. <laughs> yeah, horizontally. Yes. They literally lower the floor. You think, no, you raise the car. No, they actually lower the floor. They chop it and add sheet metal. They add to the vehicle and lower the floor to do that. But the worst part is they tap into the car's wiring harness. And I don't care who you are, mm. whenever you t- mm. tap in and slice into a wiring harness of a car, it's done. It's baked. It will, <laughs> it will have some sort of little gremlin there in the electrical system. There will be gremlins. You are right. Forever and ever and ever. And that always happens. The door won't open. Like, why well, I want the key fob. And then, you know, you're out there in the cold and the dark. And, you know, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I've had my time with that van. Cars Anna is looking at include that Volvo C30. She says this is still a strong contender with a higher budget because okay. she loves the styling so much. Yes. It's, it's great looking. It genuinely is. She's been looking at Lexus RC350s. Mm-hmm. This checks all her boxes. That's good because the back seat is terrible on that it car. It does. Yeah. You don't want totally to be in there. Like yeah, it. yeah, yeah. She says that's on the upper end of her budget, but she's interested in Lexus because it sounds like everything she loves about Toyota is just a little nicer, a little sportier. And she likes that the back seat looks so cramped that her friends might stop asking for rides. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but what's interesting is she said it checks all the boxes, but it doesn't doesn't really connect with her. She's not really like over the moon about it, even though she sees it. And then we get to the one that while I was reading your email, Anna, I thought, you know what she needs? 
is Mini Cooper. Mini Cooper. Yeah. And you said it right here. You said you're, you're you're doing for somebody that that doesn't claim to know much about cars. You're doing awfully well. You said you drove a Mini Cooper JCW, the John Cooper Works hardtop. You said it's your personal first pick. She test drove it at a dealership, and she didn't fall in love like she expected to because she's always been obsessed with Mini Coopers. She's always thought it's a perfect car for her. She loves it, loves it, loves it. But then she drives it, and she says, "Hmm, has manual seats." <laughs> it has road noise. Pesky manual seats. And the ride is rough. The Mini Cooper, we have talked about it a lot. I mean, I owned an early one. They are incredibly fun. They are incredibly quirky, which checks that box for you. Mm-hmm. They aren't all in full of great, great tech. And you're right. Manual seats do linger in a lot of the models, for sure. Full manual seats is quite common in the Mini. They're small. They definitely transfer both road noise and road feel. Now, that can be great depending upon how you're using it. But if you're dealing with bad city streets, especially in John Cooper Works form, that is a short wheelbase with a stiff suspension. You're going to feel everything. Now, you're on a back road having fun. You're going to love that about it. But I I totally understand why it's not quite nice enough for what you're hoping for. But I think so many of the things you're looking for are absolutely executed in the Mini. It's good. The last car on her list mm. has a Porsche badge on it. I noticed this. Yes. I'm glad you're taking it. Anna says, all right, all right. Here's where the Pandora comes out of the box. And this is why Anna is the MOF. After her mom died, Taylor said, Taylor, her fiance, said, Anna, you deserve a fun car. After all the trouble and tra- tragedy, you should get yourself whatever kind of car you like. Mm-hmm. Which we agree. Uh, yes, but then this takes a turn. Because remember that RAV4 Yeah, anyway, here we go. (laughs) Since they've been listening to our podcast, she now not only pronounces Porsche correctly, Taylor, congratulations, but points out every single one she sees urging Anna in this direction, but she doesn't want another crossover. Because the thing they're eyeing is a Macan S. So that means every time, here's the thing, they're driving around and every time they see a Macan, Taylor says, not a Porsche. She says, there's a Porsche Macan. And I applaud you. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you. Here is my favorite sentence in the entire email. (laughs) Okay. This thing, the Porsche Macan S, is the Rav Four of Porsche. Yeah. That makes Paul very uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, I'm uncomfortable about that. Anna, I want to say two things to you. First off, on like the headline, you nailed it. That's exactly what it is. It is Porsche makes a Rav Four mm. in scale and in where it goes in the market. Mm. However, have you driven one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because exactly. I will say, and I've said it before. This is the thing about the Macan. The Macan is Porsche makes a hatchback. And then they lifted it and said, by the way, we made a CUV. It's a hatchback. It's Porsche's four-door hatchback. It's Porsche's, if you will, it's much closer to Porsche's Golf R than it is Porsche makes a RAV4. It's a four-door all-wheel drive hatchback. But, of course, it's sold as as an SUV. It is an SUV in ride height. (laughs) Even if it's not and car companies call it an SUV, people will buy it because all they're hearing is SUV. SUVs is what I need. No, it's actually a really low-slung two-door sports car with no back seats, but it's totally an SUV. (laughs) Okay. We should try that. It comes in silver, too. The letters of the back say SUV. Anyway. Put SUV badging on it. Yes, exactly. Anyway, but but here's the thing. I totally understand. I I fully back you, even though I know Paul won't. I fully back you that if you were trying to classify the Macan and you had the RAV4 as a reference, 
It's Porsche's RAV4. I get it. But I begrudging really, over here on this side of the I table. Know, I know. I really want to encourage you to drive it because I think you might enjoy driving it enough that it becomes a real consideration. But let's be honest. It's in your consideration already. You've already put it on your own list because Taylor loves it. She did. And you go on to mention other things that have caught your eye, like Genesis. Mm-hmm. And I think they're beautiful. She'd sell for a four-door sedan to drive this car. G90s are not for you. No, they're not you for you. Way too big. Review. They're way, they're way too big. Huge. Yes. Should she look at the Hyundai? Veloster, mm-hmm. the funky asymmetrical doors appeal to her. Love it. Symmetry is overrated. Anna. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> Coming from Paul. That's good. I like it. Yep. BMW, she suggests she's not very familiar with her cars, but she's interested in BMW in general. I love that you aspire to Porsches and BMWs and Genesis and all of these. I, I love your Hyundai Veloster idea. Yes to that. Go I drive one I if think, you haven't. I think that yes. is a real serious contender. Definitely. But you indicated that there's gremlins that roam the streets of Chicago with little baseball bats mm. and, you know, little pickaxes and they, you know, just tap your car. Your car. Like, yeah. Bad. I would be horrified for you to write back and be like, yeah, it happened. And mm-hmm. I got the Porsche and it's being dinged and that kind of stuff. So I would say when you have the opportunity to park off mm-hmm. the street or you have the opportunity to park farther away from the gremlins, we'll say like a garage or something enclosed. Gremlin free then, parking, then ladies and gentlemen. Then you yep. could really consider okay. that. But I have your car, Anna, and I, I'm i going to stand on it. I will tell you my other choices, and I love your Hyundai Veloster idea. My choice for you is a brand new Mazda 3 Turbo. Oh, look at that. It's a hatchback, and uh-huh. you say those qualify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an automatic. It's all-wheel drive. Mm. It's sort of invisible. It's not a Honda. Now... It has four doors, and you mentioned yeah, you want yeah. your friends to stop bugging you for rides, but the back seat is small enough for you to wave people off. And I went digging, according to cars.com, from an article a decade ago written by Kelsey Mays entitled Cars with Back Seats to Avoid. The Mazda 3 was on her list. <laughs> well, but the current one, which we actually really like in hatchback form, a lot of people don't like the back seats in there because of that big C pillar. That well, is kind true. of dark and cave So reasons for your friends to not like the backseat. Great looking. Listen to what Kelsey Mays writes on her article. Many compacts have reasonable back seats, but Mazda doesn't make one of them. It, <laughs> she a, liked it. She really liked exactly. it. Yeah, got it. It's an affordable car, at least, so the driver might be open to cheap bribery to give you the front seat rights. So therefore, hmm. they're only going to want to ride in the front seat. But Taylor's already there, so there you go. Problem solved, yeah. Problem is solved. And it it's really great in the front and they're really great to drive lots of fun and i like it because it's kind of invisible it just it, it kind of looks like at first glance to many people okay it's just you know another hatchback but what i do love about it is if you get it in soul red then that red really brings the design to life and you'll notice the shut lines and the character lines, the washouts and the the integration around and the the highlights and the lowlights and the shadows. I I think you will really appreciate the design, but it's not something that's in your face and it doesn't have a Porsche or a BMW badge on it Mm. to really make it sort of glaring like, oh, you know, target me. But I do understand that Hondas and Hyundais are probably targeted, you know, a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. But I like it because it's it's just that right mix. It's a beautiful design, really great really design good. language, mm-hmm. and I think it checks all your boxes. And brand new, they're thirty one thousand dollars or so. Maybe mm-hmm. I mean that was that that's old information, but maybe they're thirty five, thirty six fully loaded. Loaded out, they're still less than right forty. Thirty six, thirty eight on the high side. Lots yeah. of fun to drive. Lots of power. They will. You fold those back seats down. Oh, your friends can't ride back there because it's full of camping gear. Sorry. <laughs> 
like that. That's really good. Mazda 3 Turbo. Your other choices are uh, the CX-30, which is also good. A little mm-hmm. bit more, maybe if there's too many potholes, you know, you can yeah. get the CX-30. It's slightly lifted. I Again, I love your Veloster idea, but then I was thinking about cars with back seats mm. to avoid bad back seats. The Toyota GR86 <laughs> has bad back seats. It does, but it's also not nice enough for a lot of the rest no, of No, it's not. Needs, yeah. I mean, Porsche 911's bad back seats. True. Uh, really you not know, right here. For but other yes. reasons, but then it has a Porsche badge on it. And yes. then I was looking at Audi TTs, thinking about those just as Oh, that's a, interesting. I like kind that. Of a different That's nice and quirky. There. And yeah, that's good. I, like I haven't that. really landed that plane there, but uh, just thinking about TTs and... Uh, that's but good. I keep coming back to the Mazda 3 Turbo. I think you did really, really well. And I, I have to back Paul's play there. I also want to add a couple others. And I do want to stop real quick with the Veloster. There is not a single thing wrong with you getting the Veloster. I think it's great. I think it'd totally. be awesome for you. I think you probably, I'm just thinking about your parking on the street. So maybe you get the black one. Still got the red accents, but you don't get the the big bright blue one, which of course I really like. But you could get the black one. Yeah, makes yeah. it a little more subtle. I mean, you're talking but, about the end too. I mean, you I, could get. You don't have to get the end. Well, well but, but I think. But I think. She has the money to get the Veloster in. That's the one you want. But the get end the, is the one you want with the DCT. Get the Veloster in with the, with the DCT. That is worth it's it. Superb. Yeah. That you could get one for your budget. Find one of those. Yeah. Get a black one. The, they make a nice red. They make a really cool blue. But you probably want black here, just yeah, to be a little more subtle. Yeah. Three doors, you like the quirkiness. The thing is, it's the better, newer quirky than the Volvo C30. I like the Volvo C30. Oh, that's good. But those are yeah. all quite old now, okay? And I, so I don't know how easy it's going to be to get parts, get service. How often is it going to need service? I'm trying to get you into something newer. So that's where I think the Veloster wins over the C30, and you already like it, so I like that. I still think the Mini Cooper is cool for you, but I understand the reasons why it's not quite there. I like Paul's Turbo Mazda 3 a lot. But I have one I'm going to add. And that is, I, I think I think I've found that car that hits a lot of things here and might be just innocuous enough. And that is the BMW 2 Series. Now, not I want to clarify, not the Grand Coupe. I don't know why BMW is doing this. Although the back seats are bad on that car. They are bad, but so they're, is the rest of the car. That's the problem. They're, they're the, good because they're bad. Yeah. Wait. The Grand Coupe is their front-wheel drive 2 Series they built on a mini chassis, which you'd think so far, it's like, that must be good, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not good. So you don't want the Grand Coupe. You want the BMW 2 Series that is not the Grand Coupe. Correct, yes. Why did BMW do this to themselves? They have a different BMW 2 Series that is based on a two-wheel drive chassis. You want the 228i, the base one, because that's that's a little four-cylinder, has an eight-speed automatic that is excellent, has a four-cylinder that every time I've ever driven, I've been like, this actually drives really well. I think I think that is a normal enough BMW that it doesn't get targeted for anything. And the You're back not, seats are just bad enough that your friends are just bad enough your friend, because it's a two-door. Sorry, the back yeah. seats, you, you can size people up, and I'll be like, You're too tall. Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry it's not gonna work for you. Yeah. yeah. The tailor's too tall, not gonna happen. Not, not gonna, gonna happen. work. Yeah. So I think the 228i BMW, you get a nicely specced one of those. You could certainly find one used well within your budget. You could might even be able to find one that's pretty close to new in your budget. That's pretty good. But the base BMW, and if you're worried about it being noticeable, then I am giving you permission, Anna, to get a monochromatic grayscale style car. Pick a white, a gray, a black. Just to kind of blend. Say. If you want to blend. Yeah. They also make a really nice blue. They yeah, make a really good looking yeah. red. You could go that route, but I think... I think that is one of those BMWs that vanishes in traffic. 
It's not notice me, but it actually drives really well. And also because it's pretty fast, it also vanishes in it traffic. So, so I'm going to say BMW 2 Series for you. Now, if you buy a used one, be sure you check in on all the maintenance, get a really good uh, pre-purchase inspection done to make sure all the maintenance has been current. But I'm not thinking of one all that old either. That four-cylinder has been known for a while. Get one of those. Maybe we could come out with a line of car covers that are like an old beat-up pickup truck painted on the outside of the car cover. So you put it on over your, your nice BMW 2 Series. And it's like, the reverse of the Friends joke. It's just a cover that looks like a stack of boxes. Yeah. Yes. There you go. There we go. Something like that. Kojo88 on Instagram says, Stereotype challenge. What's the coolest car a teacher could drive and make you think that they're a great teacher? Or conversely, what's the worst car a teacher could drive that make you think, I bet they're a bad teacher? I have a, I have a oh, guess you, on these. You've I got have a guess. I have a guess. Okay. All right. For the coolest teacher, they're driving a cool car and you think, they must be a really good teacher. I've actually, I, I will admit, I've had two teachers that were great teachers for my son and they both happened to drive really cool cars. One drove a Mazda MX-5 and the other drove a classic, had it forever, 911 convertible. That's cool. And you just, you see those cars and you think, I, I bet they're a cool, good teacher. And they were. And then the conversely one, Uh-oh. <laughs> the teacher that's driving the, I'm staying with convertibles, the convertible Geo Metro. Mm. You don't want them. I don't even know what they awesome. teach, but you don't want them. Bitter car guy always has questions that align with his name. I like it. It's very good stuff. Thank you for this. You said with the BMW XM being over 6,000 pounds, should we start worrying about parking garages and bridges being able to support all the weight of these really heavy cars as they just seem to keep getting heavier? Don't, Here's the thing. Didn't think of that. Yes. Yes. This is already being discussed in city centers. It's already being discussed about, okay, if every car, think about this. If every car in the parking garage in 10 years is 25 to 50% heavier than it was when the garage was built Somebody with better knowledge than I is running a calculator right now going, how much can we support? This is an issue. This is the joke that came up when GM was building the new GMC Hummer. Yeah. Because they were like, wait a minute, it's the electric Hummer. It almost was going to weigh 10,000 pounds, which would require you to get a commercial driver's license to drive it. So they had to dodge that bullet, which is hysterical. Our target is less than 10,000 pounds. But a 9,000 plus vehicle means it can't go over many rural bridges. This is an mm. issue. Mm. Marvin47 on Instagram says, let's say you're driving in town to a stoplight or a stop sign in a manual transmission car. Do you push in the clutch just to be in neutral when you're coming to a stop? Marvin's noticed in some cars it lets him get into neutral without the clutch, but he always uses it out of muscle memory. Well, if it lets you go into neutral without the clutch, that just means it's kind of worn, doesn't it? Yeah, that that seems like it shouldn't do that. It seems like it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's a great opportunity to always practice heel and towing. You don't always have to, like, downshift and blip through three gears as you're coming down from 25 miles an hour. (laughs) 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 You know, but uh, I I think it's always a good, maybe just try it once or twice and uh, you're coming to a stop. But there are a lot of drivers who push in the clutch too soon, Mm. I think. Mm. And there's a lot of opportunity to maybe leave the car in gear or downshift one time and then let engine braking do its thing. Mm. And I'm not saying you have to play the game like, let's see how far we can go on a, you know, an empty tank or let's see how far we can go before the engine dies and you come to a stop. But <laughs> you can go quite a long ways with your feet off the pedals and you're just slowly easing mm-hmm. into the brake and you're using that engine to help you with engine braking coming to a stop 
and you don't have to push the car the clutch in and then just coast a long way. I think it's better to so the car still has power. If it's a stop sign or a red light, of course, but what if you need to jump back on the throttle again? True. Immediately, and you need that power. Well, your, your car's still in gear and the clutch is engaged, so you're good to go. I, I think it's a great opportunity to practice, but uh, I suppose you can. But again, on that particular car, you don't say what it is. Uh, you might want to get that looked at. Pulling the car out of gear without a clutch necessary does seem a little odd. I will say that this is a place where Paul and I do drive differently. I am the guy that is a bit lazier with the clutch where I'm like, oh, there's a stop sign coming up. You know what? I'm just going to clutch in, pull out of gear, and just I'm going to roll, and I'll use my brakes when I need to. I am much earlier to do that than Paul is. There isn't a right answer here, but I think Paul's point is excellent, and that is if you aren't in gear and the light does go green or traffic has changed, now you have a problem. So there is some benefit to the to the uh, downshift and the staying in gear as well. Bradley J 1983 asks if we've checked out the LF Aeronautics flying car. He says it's uh, yes. It's interesting <clears throat> because it's been granted an FAA airworthiness certificate for exhibitions and R&D. The design is very future. Yeah. I mean <laughs> Flying cars have been talked about, and mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. seems like they're back in the news all the time. Like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. This time we've got it. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I, I still feel like it's in the category of full self-driving. Well, I also think it's in that category that you really, really like, where it's one item trying to do more than one thing. It's yeah. one of your personal favorites. Yeah. yeah. The reversible belt. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> V-22 Osprey. It's like, is it a helicopter? Is it a plane? Like, mm-hmm. what... I mean, I know they're in service and they're great. And they're but cool. They're, the track record of those hasn't been the greatest. They, they Let's don't be have honest. A, the, the, the safety record I would not describe as stellar. It's That's not true. amazing. Yeah. Well, but this, this is also really weird because this is the first flying car concept I've seen that they're acknowledging the fact that it's not going to be a very good car. It has a 25 mile per hour max speed limit. Mm. And that is because they intend you. It has vertical takeoff and landing. They intend you. If you're going to need to go more than 25 miles an hour, you're going to fly. You're just going to take sure. off. Sure. It is like a, I don't know another way to describe this. It's, it's bad. This is a bad description, but I'm going to get close. It's a cheese grater car. The whole bodywork has holes in it, so it has the ability to be vertical takeoff and landing. So it's it's a it's a different idea than we've seen before. The big question I keep having with flying cars. I'm taking out the equation of can we make it work? Does the FAA approve? Let's just assume all that gets solved. Do you want the average person commuting or driving to also be able to now take their amazing driving capability to the sky in a downtown (laughs) area? Surely GPS will limit this thing. I am am horrified Mm. by the concept of the average person who doesn't really want, back to where we started, doesn't really want to drive in the first place, can now take that lack of interest to the sky with a thousand other people. See, it says a full-size prototype was flown in 2018, but there's really not very many images or videos of this first vehicle. And it did receive certification, as you said, Bradley, but only as an experimental vehicle. It's just... It's an experiment, and I'm still all about wings when you're when you're flying. I, <laughs> you're I, so old school, Paul. I love the concept of lift. Wings are crazy, I aren't know. they? That's I mean, very funny. Well, we'll see, but it, it's interesting. I mean, I guess I'm all out of ten foot poles, right? <laughs> like, huh? That's interesting to read a news report about it, but you know, I still like feeling the tires and understanding yeah. the dynamics of the car. I, st- I still really like that. I like it. Automotive Omnivore on Instagram says he's planning an early October road trip. Great time. T-top equipped car going from Dallas to California 
to the Driving While Awesome rally. I'm guessing, based on what you have to say here, that you're going somewhere near the San Francisco area is where your destination is because you've asked us for road recommendations for Colorado, Park City, and Salt Lake City areas. I'm going to give you a couple of them to ponder real quick. If you can hit Million Dollar Highway in western Colorado, it is worth it. So try to figure that out if you can. That is extreme western Colorado. That is part of our Colorado adventure that we're doing here soon. If you get up into the Park City area or the Salt Lake City area, there is a Mirror Lake Highway that goes into Wyoming. That is a very, very good one as well. Also, there is Alpine Loop in Salt Lake proper that goes out of Sundance Ski Resort and up over the Wasatch Crest Mountains to drop into Salt Lake Prior. That's a good one as well. Last question for me from Brad Davis on Facebook, asking if there's any more slots in which BMW can squeeze another model. <laughs> we don't think so, but wait for BMW to yeah, do it. They are the experts. I'm just thinking I, I'm waiting for some sort of cool, hybrid, super efficient, amazing, lightweight roadster. Somebody needs to make that. Where is that? Calling Mazda. Uh, I'm Yes, I am right? fascinated. Where's the... 2,000 to 2,400 pound MX-5 electric because I want to drive that yesterday. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. That sounds fascinating to me. I think the, I mean, pickup trucks got solved. Have we solved it all? The Tesla Cybertruck will emerge and it'll arrive It'll and do like, whatever it is. solved the problem. Whatever, I don't know whatever the sure problem what they're solving, was, but there it is. Because yes. the Hummer didn't. It's too heavy. Yes, true. That's the whole point, right? Guys, thank you for all your questions. Write to us every day at drivertv at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and most of all your car debates. Yes. We're looking forward to hearing from you as always. And we're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.